Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Hashtag full squad. Ask me as... Fuck me. With me as always, DJ Mark. So, Also with me, Kid Presentable. We in here. Also with us, Lavender Gooms. At least 75% of the podcast. Hell yeah. Got four people here who got into college without our parents bribing some crew coach. Or in Dr. Dre's case, donating an entire building and then claiming his daughter got in on merit. I, I mean, like how the many, Dr. Dre. How many years ago did he donate that money though for his daughter? What? How many years ago did he donate that money for that building though? His name's on a building. Yo, Mike? but that's not but that's not sneak, you know, that's not sneak bribe, but that's just out there. My, Mike. <laughs> in a uh, in a case of uh, Simpsons did it. Um, what came to my mind today is you guys remember that episode where Rodney Dangerfield played Mr. Burns' son, and they're like, to get in to Yale you're, with your son's scores, Yale would need an international airport. Yale could use an international airport. Honestly, Steph, I thought you were going with the back to school when you said Dangerfield, because the premise of back to school is his kid goes to college, and Rodney Dangerfield just buys his way so he can be in college too. <laughs> Well, I guess there's more layers than I even thought. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, if you've never seen Back to School, it's a really good time. It holds up. Rodney Dangerfield, really young Robert Downey Jr., other people, good movie. Now, I mean, speaking of movies. Get, not to get too, too sidetracked with this before we even talk about any MMA, but what are people outraged about? Are they outraged that this happened or are they outraged that they did it so poorly and got caught because didn't we all kind of know this is what rich people did i didn't think people have anybody's outraged i thought people found it hilarious that's where i'm at with it i i think it's funny that the exorbitant amounts of money that are spent to send that kid to that college that's kind of what it is it seems like way too much money just for a kid to go to college. I guess you just really want the prestige of that university name. In Dre's case, USC is not that prestigious. I mean, it's a very good university, don't get me wrong. But, like, I'm not, I, you know, I don't roll out a carpet just because I hear you graduated from USC. So that's where it's funny to me is, like, all I right. Mean, so yeah, for $500,000, if I'm paying $500,000, my kid's going to graduate from Yale. Okay? Straight up. And also, yeah, I mean, I thought it was hilarious because... These people are rich enough to bribe their kids into school, but not rich enough to do it the kosher way of, like, buying a building or anything like that. Like, that's how they had to get them. They got them on mail fraud and, like, shit like that. They had to, get like, RICO them into this being illegal because it's a private school. You can pay whoever you want to get in. Like, that part's okay, <laughs> you know. Um, Aunt Becky, though, man. Aunt Becky. All these years teaching us lessons. <sighs> Shady as hell. Um, all right, guys, there's some fights this past weekend, notably one where pretty Tony Pettis went out there and has knockout of the year so far, I'd say, um, Stefan, um, him and Wonderboy Thompson said they were going to do some ninja shit and, um, 
What was Wonder Boy's quote where like when it was over, he said, we were throwing so much ninja shit that I couldn't even see that coming or something. I thought that was wonderful that whatever he said there, but two rounds of high of action where Pettis was piecing up the dude's leg and Thompson was jabbing the shit out of him. Uh, what'd you think of the fight? Um, yeah, it was really, really fun. Um, it was just a really cool fight to see just because stylistically it's, it was really a throwback fight. You had very pure kind of a karate stance and attack with a kind of very straightforward Taekwondo attack. It's kind of too traditionalist. It's uh, your blood sport for those of you old heads um, who, you know, used to watch, you know, kind of martial arts movies. Um, so it was just a really traditional fight. Uh, like you said, probably the KO of the year. That was out of nowhere. Fucking hellacious. The extra shots completely unnecessary. Um, but at the same time, like, where do I think Pettis goes from here? It is tough to say because he was very thoroughly losing that fight. Um, you know, yeah, he was he was getting his kicks in. He, he, he meant to take some of the pace off of uh, Thompson. We were only in round two. It was a five round fight. Um, you know, it did work because Thompson, you can't say it didn't work because, you know, Thompson had been avoiding a lot of it tonight, but he was getting pretty lit up throughout. Um, he, he was bleeding throughout. I, I think it was a very comfortable two rounds up for Wonder Boy at that point. Um, but the one thing you did notice throughout the fights is even though he wasn't landing much cleanly with his hands, when he threw with his hands, he fucking threw with his hands. Um, he, he threw for power. Uh, you know, Wonder Boy was his very classic kind of get in, get out, quick jab, quick combo. Um, nothing he super sits down on. You know, if he can't land that big spinning kick, he doesn't really have a lot of any like other one strike type, uh, you know, like hits in his arsenal, but Pettis, he kind of backed up against the cage, did a little Superman push off of it. And that right hand just absolutely crushed wonder boy. Um, he just, I think the other thing he says is crap happens. Um, yeah, it just did. Um, it flatlined him, got a couple after, uh, I think Pettis, you know, kind of did the BJ lick the blood, uh, after that. Um, yeah, dude, he's got power. He, He's still he Anthony Pettis, man. Honestly, like we we noticed it a couple of fights ago. It may not be the best fighter in a, you know in a weight class anymore, but Anthony Pettis is still Anthony Pettis. He's brought himself back at least to that point. I mean, I'm totally comfortable with him at welterweight. He didn't look small. He looked like he was a healthy build. You know, um, I think we've seen enough cases now where you know not dedicating like half your fight camp simply to cutting two straight weeks, man. Official. Two straight um, weeks. Yeah, he looked good, but um, that said, he still was losing a lot of it until he won so um you know i i don't know what his ceiling is at this weight class but um you know great victory for him great way to introduce himself to the division uh he had a couple good call outs i like the idea of him running it back with rda um I'm RDA, rda was down i like the conor mcgregor idea not to bring it not to immediately force conor mcgregor into the confrontation but if they're gonna i think i like the conor mcgregor idea if jose aldo is gonna retire at the end of the year i really like that idea too we never got that one. Remember, they filmed, they had poster for that one. Like, that never happened. I'm okay with that one, too, if they want to go at 55. I'm okay with all these fights. Anthony Pettis, when like, the two guys are going to just throw it. Anthony Pettis and another person are going to throw down on their feet. I'm in, no matter who it is. I mean, um, it's definitely just interesting. Don't, uh, don't give me a wrestler with, with Anthony Pettis. I mean, yeah. I want to see Anthony Pettis on his feet at this point. I mean, I don't think he's going to make any type of run for a championship at 155 or 170 so at this point i just want to see him in entertaining fights at least for maybe two or three of them hey man these belts don't mean anything anymore they've ensured that let's let's us all have, all have a good time um to give you an idea of what anthony pettis accomplished though people map uh, uh was it uh stephen thompson had never been knocked out period he was 57 and 0 as a kickboxer um in mma he has 
three losses by decision going into this fight. The following people could knock out, couldn't knock out Wonder Boy Thompson. Darren Till, Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley had two chances. Rory McDonald, Johnny Hendricks, Jake Ellenberger, Patrick Cote. Everybody I mentioned is a goddamn knockout artist. Um, Bobby Knuckles couldn't put him down. And this man did it. So that was an achievement in itself. Feel a little bad for Wonderboy because he really wants to headline that card in South Carolina in three months. He said it looks like he's not going to be able to do that. I have no confidence in the South Carolina Commission or the UFC at this point. I'm sure Wonderboy will be headlining that card. Um, Marcus, um, what did you think, man? I mean, Anthony Pettis went out there. He did get beat up for a lot of the fight, but he went out there and had a, just an ending we're not going to forget for a long time. What do you think of his of the fight, and where do you think he goes from here? Uh, yeah, for the majority of the fight, it wasn't all that surprising, really. Uh, I I kind of imagine Thompson being able to assert his will like he was. I um, mean, really, it was just I was shocked in that my analysis of the fight before, and you know, when we pick fights, um, when you pick a fight wrong, you usually, or at least for myself, I have some kind of idea of how this fight could go wrong for the guy I picked, or how the avenues of victory. And I said last week, like Pettis doesn't have power in his hands. It's just not something that he's ever shown in any of his fights. And I didn't think moving up to 170, he was going to gain that. So having a knockout of this caliber um, and the way he did it um, was really surprising. You know, I've never seen, honestly, I can't think of any fight where Pettis has even heard a guy punching. I mean, honestly, like every, all of his knockouts have been big head kicks or flashy kicks. It's usually never done with the hands. Um, to see him flatline Thompson was, you know, a big feather in the cap. And, you know, we, you know, Mike mentioned that, you know, we don't really see a run in Pettis, but like at 170, he just beat like this dude was ranked, what, three or four. He fought for the belt twice. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility that a couple more high profile wins yeah. and welterweight, he's definitely in that conversation. Um, and like you said, Bobby, there is also just a plethora of interesting fights. I mean, obviously he's moving up to a weight division. He's never fought up before. So there's lots of interesting matchups and there's even matchups that kind of makes sense style like size wise and style wise and i think you just look at last week you look at jorge masvidal that's a banger of a fight I think Ooh, there's a that'd lot be fun of that'd be that a good time that, that'd be a good time they're man. just yeah they're just really intriguing but i you know it's just for me it's personally just kind of cool to see pettis correct ship right because like we've seen a lot of fire fighters get that belt and kind of stumble and never really be able to gain that magic again and he's revitalized himself you know he's he kind of mentally went through a block in his career it was probably like what two three years where like he just wasn't the same guy and it was last year or maybe two years ago he's like i'm just gonna fight the way i used to i've been overthinking it and you know even though he he lost that fight against um tony ferguson um his performances have been so much better they're so much more uh, crowd pleasing i'm a bigger fan of him now that he's going after it even if he hasn't succeeded in all of his outings just because this is the guy that you know, made us all fans of his. And, you know, even in this fight, he was, he was stylistically just getting, you know, eaten up, you know, he, he was like, like Steph said, he was holding his own. He was making it a fight, but the pacing was just different. You know, Thompson was just a couple rounds ahead of this guy and he needed something big and he got it. So, you know, hats off to Pettis, you know, what a great performance for him. What another a highlight real knockout on his reel um, and a great position to be in right now, you know, welterweights kind of helter skelter. Like you mentioned, Bobby, there's a lot of guys, that have are vying for the belt and have strong claims to it. And I think Pettis just kind of threw his hat in there with Jorge and with the Covingtons and Uzmars and the Woodley and the Tyro Woodley. It's just like this division's kind of gotten crazy. And I just like this, this new push we're seeing of guys at 55 moving up to welterweight and not just moving up, but like finding a lot of success there. Like, and I, and I think we all, I, I, I'll speak for myself. I, 
discounted all of them. I didn't think Cerrone was going to be able to get it done. I didn't think Jorge was going to be able to stand with these guys. And I didn't think Pettis was either. And they've all done extremely well at this weight division. So I'm just interested to see who else is going to make the jump to welterweight at 155 that, that, that maybe isn't getting it done. And are they going to have the success that these guys have because they're paving the way, you know, maybe we're seeing a lot of these guys are cutting too much weight for 55 and fighting at your natural weight class. You just have better performances. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, Hell of a win by Anthony Pettis. I mean, it cannot be overstated how knocking, how knocking, how big of a deal knocking out Wonderboy Thompson is. Which Wonderboy Thompson, you said he like he lost it. He lost one fight to Woodley. He drew the other one, and then no one here thinks he really lost that fight to Darren Till. Not that he definitely won it, but if I had to pick the winner, it wasn't Darren Till. Let's put it that way. Um, Curtis Blades, Justin. Uh, big, big, pretty Willis. I think all that needs to be said here is that we said this fight, well, how we said this fight was going to go was exactly how it went. Guy wasn't a good enough wrestler. Um, Justin Willis seems to have pissed off half the division because they were openly mocking him on Twitter, tied to Ivasa and a couple other people. For I guess he's just a giant dick. And he was shit talking Curtis Blades' dad at one point, apparently. And God bless Curtis Blades for keeping his composure during the fight. It didn't make for the most exciting fight. But afterwards, Steph, he was still pissed. <laughs> My favorite moment of the fight was uh, when uh, Curtis Blades heard the final scorecard of 30-25. He started clapping. He's like, hell yeah, 30-25. Like, <laughs> like I whooped that ass. <laughs> he's like, fuck yeah, I got, a, I got all those 10-8s. Mm -hmm. Like, he was proud of that, and that was a good moment. I I, I, I didn't catch any of the promotion to the buildup. Um, Justin Willis really was on my radar. I'm not familiar with the story. I didn't really look into it because after that fight, frankly, he's not worthy of me looking into it. Um, Curtis Blades I, I, I liked Cormier coming having to interview Curtis Blades and Cormier is Justin Willis's teammate that made me laugh I'm like man my buddy got his ass kicked and now I gotta talk to the winner <laughs> I, I, I mean I, I became a big fan of Curtis Blades even his call out his like uh, what he, he told him to learn some wrestling like it was in there and he gave a great call out list right he he put out Junior or Stipe um, was there a third one uh, but I mean uh, oh Derek Lewis was that the third one I don't that know. Sounds, that sounds it good was, enough. It was. Yeah. But that's a great call out list. Um, that's a guy, he, he's not climbing for the title. We don't need to see him run back with Francis, obviously. But um, yeah, I'm down for anything he put out there. You know, Stipe is waiting for something. You know, it doesn't look like he's next. That's a friggin' fantastic fight. Uh, Curtis Blades, it, it wasn't a finish, but for the reason I like Asker, and I really appreciated that match from him because. If you're going to be good at wrestling, I want to see you dominate someone with wrestling. And that was domination. Um, yeah. Anytime he picked it, anytime he got up, he threw him right back down. He just also got knocked out, man. You got to go get a win. He just got knocked out. You don't just, you don't fuck around. You got to get a W here. You know, it's especially the way you don't know what the UFC's thinking these days. You just get a win. Yeah. Um, and it, it's another takeaway. He didn't get the finish, but like he was, he was proud of that 30 25 because damn right did he earn it. He absolutely manhandled him. Uh, MacDessie and Pineda is not really worth talking about. Pineda fought a really stupid fight. MacDessie was perfectly willing to land on the outside every now and then while Pineda did nothing. So there we go. Um, I want to talk about the Pena fight because you guys talked about how good it was. But first, uh, Mike, I know you saw Macy Barber go out there and do her thing. Macy Barber talked about how she's a different animal at flyweight. What'd you think of her performance against, uh, JJ Aldrich, who's not a bad fighter at all. What'd you think about Barber, you know, out there in the cage on Saturday night? No, J.J. Aldridge isn't a bad fighter at all. Uh, Macy Barber, she's she's really big for the division. Mm -hmm. And even at that division, I was surprised that she ever even made 115. 
Mm -hmm. uh, I found that pretty surprising that she was actually able to find 10 more pounds to, to cut. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a good fight. It was uh, the first the first round. JJ Aldrich uh, had pretty good control, was able to, to drop Barber at one point. Uh, her her striking and her boxing looked a lot more crisp and technical than Barber's, mm. but in the second round, you could see the the strength and the size really come into play. Barber got Aldridge into a couple of good clinches, got some really good elbows off that really slowed down uh that really slowed down Aldridge, mm. and then eventually the the striking caught up to to, to Aldridge and. Barbara was able to put her down really, really quickly in the second round. Um, I was really impressed by her. Um, yeah, big win. She's only twenty years old. Seven and youngest, zero, youngest fight in the UFC. Seven and zero, six wins by finish. It's really all you can ask for at this point in her career. Guys, Luis Pena has one of my favorite nicknames in MMA: Violent Bob Ross, because um, of his hair. I uh, appreciate that. Um, had a few UFC fights so far here, not beating. I mean, not, not beating anybody really that relevant so far. But Marcus, you noted how good of a fight that was uh, this past weekend um, when he took on uh, Steven Peterson. Uh, I which one of them missed weight? Let's start with that, and then what do you think of the fight? Uh, Pena did, uh, ah, and, and he apologized. And he apologized for it afterwards. Um, I mean, he's a huge guy at um. Uh, why no, six, fucking six, what, six, six three. I put that in the group chat. I'm like, how are we fighting at featherweight at six foot three? Yeah, that's too big, man. Well, you gotta well, kill yourself. Hasn't hasn't made weight there yet, I don't think. But you know, it was a really good fight. And you have to give, you know, some credit to uh Steven uh Peterson, who was just game the whole fight and you know, tried to push it and just was kind of, you know, just wasn't at the level that Pena showed here. Um at this division, at that height, he had a lot of advantages that he was able to utilize well. You know, he used his hands pretty well in this fight. Um, but he was also, you know, and it was interesting. What I really liked, you know, one of my bigger takeaways wasn't even with the fight. Um, I hope that maybe there were some conversations um, backstage with the commentary booth and telling these guys, like, look it, if you're going to be in the booth with your boys, you've got to call it like it is. And DC, great job. He called this fight right down the middle. He was not, he was critical of Pena for the things he wasn't doing right. He was fucking critical of him when he fucking interviewed him after the fight. Like, why Wait, is he? He's, so an, he's an he's an AK guy, AKA guy. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess the story is Pena was one of the guys. I guess DC, on one of the seasons that DC was coaching. I don't know what season it was of the Ultimate Fighter. Pena was on his team mm. after the after the um, after a season. He invited him to Gilroy, which I guess is his like training camp now. Which is like, if I know Gilroy, it's like that's he, 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 he invited he invited him to the high school. That's where he's coaching <laughs> high school much. wrestling. Uh, but no, a couple of things I, I did like about uh, Luis Pena. You know, outside of just you know being a pretty good striker and having good hands, and obviously having the natural you know gifts he has, being so lengthy. Um, I like his his takedown defense was to go for submissions, which um, kind of gotten in trouble in a couple places here, but. Instead of doing your conventional sprawling out, digging in underhooks, dude went for Kimuras all the time, and a lot of times they worked. You know, if you get a tight Kimura on a guy, if he's taking you down, you can rip that thing and use it to create scrambles and get on top, which Pena was able to do. Um, it was just a really good fight. It was a good um, eye-opening experience for me. I wasn't familiar with uh, Pena, and... You know, I don't know if 45 is going to be in his future. He obviously had difficulties making weight here. Yeah, what, what, what happened at 55 that he's like, I'm too small for that shit. I'm 6'3". Like, what the know. hell? It's it's a lot of these guys getting this mentality that if I can make the weight, I'm just 
I'm 60 pounds heavier than this dude. He's fucked. There's no way he can compete with me. Um, and, and maybe that that that's the mindset. Um, but really, what we saw here was a guy with some pretty good skill, uh, with a pretty solid skill set, uh, natural ability, just being so lengthy, utilizing it well. Um, and then Peterson, you know, he's a game guy, but just was this just couldn't figure out the, the keys to getting the victory here. So yeah, it was a great performance by Pena. Um, I was, I didn't know this card had started. And then Stefan texted me that Angela Hill got just smoked. Um, Steph, I talked about it last week where she doesn't look like the advancements we saw from her in Invicta haven't really translated that much in the UFC. She went out there, got tossed by Random Marcos and tapped out and under a round. I mean, she's not as young as we'd like her to be for having being as, you know, she's, I mean, to the, in terms of fight mileage, she's fairly young, but in terms of age, I want to say she's roughly our age, right? She's like 32, 33. Um, what do you think? And uh, where does she go from here? Assuming she still has a job. Before I address this, can I just say how perfectly fitting that the most divisionally relevant fight on this event is a man so boring. We're not even going to acknowledge he happened. Uh, talking about that win for a Juicy Formiga. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, we're down, man. We're down on the undercard right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what's happening, man, with Flyweight. We can't even depend on anything happening, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> um, It's tough for me to say, make any calls about age or anything around, just, or I'm sorry, Angela Hill, just because uh, fight mileage-wise, she's, she's green. You know, I think number of fights kind of supersedes everything. The women's divisions aren't really established enough that I know when the physical peak and decline is. Um, But we definitely have seen, she seems to just, there seems to be a ceiling or, I mean, there seems to be, you know, a pretty solid floor on what her her growth ability is. Um, you know, we, we saw her make leaps outside of the UFC, but her holes are still are her holes. Um, Randa's never been particularly good at actually getting the takedown. You know, she'll, she, she'll scrap with you. She'll clinch with you. She'll really, you know, get into tough fights, but she, she steamrolled her. She, she clinched in fast, hip-tossed her worked to mount and from the mount took the arm bar it wasn't in like one fluid ronda motion she had to work each step but it was pretty systematic um like by the time she was fighting for the arm bar there was like two minutes left in the round she had so much time to work um angela hill's holes are her holes we love her again we're, we're giant fans of her personally but she she has very defined weaknesses in the octagon and you know, if if ran if the random Marcoses of the world are asserting that much domination, it's really hard to see how it gets better from here. Yeah, we uh, remember her first UFC run. We're like, man, they really put her against some killers. It was almost unfair the matchups they gave Angela Hill. Now we're at a point where she's losing to Randa, she's losing to Courtney Casey, who aren't bad fighters. It's just for someone we had such high hopes for, you know, it doesn't seem like she's there. I guess for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, this card was in Tennessee, I think, right? Somewhere Nashville. They kept yeah. referencing Showtime and all that. Yeah, sure, okay. And you know, big win for Juicy A Formiga, I guess. It sounds like what they want to do at one thirty-five. Since I mean, we we could talk about TJ Dillashaw who tested positive for something we don't know what. Which Cody Garbrandt kept t- talking about how much of a cheater he is. And so did Faber, and I'm like, wow. And then he like, I don't know, man. Maybe it's a tainted supplement. The guy had 75 bottles in front of him. 
law of large numbers says something gets fucked hey, in the middle. You know, there. there's a possibility where everything TJ said about Alpha Male and everything said about TJ, they could both be telling the truth. Yeah, they everybody's could, not. No one's it, lying. These are mutually exclusive <laughs> things. They could both be in the wrong. Um, it's very possible. I really can't think of a worse night anybody's had in MMA than like the UFC makes their big debut on ESPN. A ton of mother, a ton of people are watching. He gets iced by a guy a weight class below him in 30 seconds. And then he tests positive afterwards. So not good. Bantamweight title's up for grabs. It sounds like they're going to do um, Henry for some reason. is going to fight for that belt. Um, and he's going to take on Marlon Moraes is what it sounds like they're going to do. Which, don't get me wrong, that's an awesome fight. But I feel at this point, it was a real opportunity for Henry to defend that fucking belt of his at 125. And maybe fight Joseph Benavidez. I mean, putting aside how good of a time... We'd have watching Benavidez, watching Moraes versus Cejudo, Mark. I think we should have a goddamn flyweight title defense, right? That makes just makes sense now. Like, what are we uh, doing? I mean, yeah, I definitely uh, – honestly, with the whole TJ thing, it, I, I mean, as a fan, it's almost like a blessing in disguise, right? Like, him going down and losing kind of just muddled everything. Is like, are you really the champ? I just saw you get knocked out in 30 seconds. So, kind of just worked out to just clear the board, which, I mean, in my head, is just like, yeah, that, that – you know, it sucks that he got caught or he was cheating this whole time or whatever. Or whatever but happened to the guy. It just, he tested positive. It just, but at least now, like, the champion at the division lost to someone else. The belt's just clean. And I kind of like that, that it's just open. I agree with you, Bobby. Like, obviously, they're not very interested in flyweight because you just had Formiga, you know, in this fight, who's like, I don't know what he's ranked, but he's up there. He's been up there for fucking ever. It's just not a sexy fight, you know? Uh, it should Henry, be. Benavidez, Benavidez has earned a title shot. Honestly, everybody kind of recognizes it. And, like... We're all just kind of sitting here now. Like, that's also the thing. Like, is you going to book Benavidez and Formiga for a belt now? Like, what? Are we, they probably will. Who are we kidding? That's an interim belt. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what happened. And, and honestly, like, I know you you just threw your arms up in frustration. But, like, if they even do an interim interim belt at flyweight, that's a good sign. Oh, that's that fair. At least they're, they they're, care. They're, <laughs> he ha they have to be at least co-main, right? You're not going to have a title fight on, like, the undercard. So <laughs> that would be... That would be a blessing in disguise. Like, I think even just having, you know, an illegitimate belt would mean the world to the flyweight division right now. They, any, I mean, look at just having Kamiga fight, just having people in the flyweight division is at least like, okay, they haven't completely trounced this thing yet. Um, but yeah, I, Henry versus uh, uh, Moraes. I mean, that that's an interesting, fun fight. You know, there's a there's a lot of interesting fights, and I think Bobby, when you kind of mentioned like, like, oh man, what a bad night for the UFC. If they were smart, no, no, bad night for TJ, for not TJ, for the UFC. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> not for the UFC. Think, UFC did fine. I think in that night, Henry became a huge star, oh, and yeah. I think this is the first time you've had someone that people give a shit about at this division, and maybe you can start gaining fan base there and start to rebuild this division. But it seemed like the UFC was already had one of their feet already out of the division, just throwing TJ down there, hoping he would win, and this could clear the whole thing. You know, hypothetically, that's kind of been the narrative that everyone's been talking about before. But yeah, I don't know. Um, honestly, I'm whoever Henry wants to do. I'm kind of down with dude's kind of a badass. I'm a huge fan. So if he wants to go up and be champ champ, he just fucking smoked TJ while he was on stuff. I think I'll give him that if he wants to go move up. Sure. Um, yeah, I no, I get it. I mean, I get it's it. It's bad yeah. timing, right? Cause the flyweight division is like, you know, hanging on by a string and the one dude that you potentially could be like, let's all hook into this guy. He's really popular. Maybe he can get the division going again. He's kind of like, yeah, fuck this shit. I'm going to go up. I'm going to get that belt in. I don't know if he wants, if he, I don't know if Henry considers flyweight to be like his division and that's where he's going to well, go he, back. He, after was he, he, he was trying to get, he kind of tried to get Dana White to commit right there when he won the, like to be TJ. Like 
give me Joseph. Like, book the fight now. And he wasn't, Dana wasn't willing to do it. So that's the thing. Joseph Benavides is an interesting cat, man. I think we could, I think we could do worse, is all I'm saying. Um, speaking of flyweight, let's talk about it because this weekend, in addition to the UFC card, the one FC debuts of Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson are happening. And I'm looking at MMA Junkie, and this main card starts on Sunday. What day is the 31st? Sunday? Is that Sunday? Yeah, okay. It is. Mike, we're going to depend on here, you here, man. Because Eddie Alvarez starts fighting at 5.30 a.m. Eastern time. And after him, Demetrius Johnson goes out there. So we need wait, you to set alarm for like 6 a.m. on by Sunday. Depend on me. You, you, want me to, you want me to wake up at 5.30 on a Sunday? How, what time do you wake up? Honestly, I wake up at like 6.30 on the weekend. Just because I I can't sleep past that anymore. But I don't know. Mark, what's your plan? You're going to try to stay up till 2 in the morning to watch Eddie Alvarez fight? <laughs> like what's No. The- no. Well, how would I do that? I'll just watch it on tape delay. I have no qualms about... Not getting spoiled because I don't go on Twitter. You know what? So one, can, F- one FC is not going to be that hard to avoid. Uh, yeah, also. I can very easily wake up at whatever time I choose. And when I choose, I'll just jump onto MMA Core and watch some really shitty versions of those fights. Stefan mentioned that uh, everybody that they have is on this card, but none of them are fighting each other. So we got Eddie Alvarez versus a guy I've never heard of. We got Demetrius, John- Demetrius Johnson versus a guy I never heard of. We got Bibiano Fernandez fighting a guy I never heard of. Yeah, we, we said and- there's those guys, and no one else has a Wikipedia page on the entire card. Uh, Angela Lee is fighting. You know, by the time I wake up, Angela Lee will be fighting, I think. Angela Lee, and then I can watch Shinya Aoki. And uh, Steph, do you know this kid's name? The guy who's the lightweight champion, Edward. Edward uh, Foliang. Foliang, yeah. He's the guy, right? He's their big Yeah, he's uh, the uh, Filipino dude. Yeah. Kind of does just- that uh, kind of Kung Lee, was it Sancho esque? Kind of does that. So he better not get on the ground with Shinya, is what you're saying. Yeah, he, that would he go with take it to the ground, but then he'll just want to stand right back up. Well, I'm point, saying you go, to the, you, go, you go to the ground with Shinya, it's not going to go well. He starts ripping stuff off. Um, this is going to be airing on BR Live, apparently, which is Bleacher Report Live, which I'm not, I don't know if that's just like free or, I thought the end game is we end up on TNT. I don't know what, when that's happening on the Turner Networks. I know Turner no owns Bleacher Report, but I'm not familiar with BR Live. Have any of you guys ever used it? I've heard of it, never used it. Nope. Yeah. Uh, Mike, the zone has raised their price to twenty dollars a month. How quickly have you? Are you going to cancel that, or, or is this just news to you right now? I heard that they uh, raised their price. Um, this is feeling very much like uh, how Movie Pass did me last year. Where <laughs> I like how it's thought... personal. This is how Movie Pass did me. <laughs> where it sounded like a very too good to be true type of offer. You know, like wait, what? I get to watch, uh, you know, Canelo whenever he fights, you know, a couple of times a year. I get to watch some MMA. I get to watch some other random sports on there for nine ninety nine a month. And now well, they're I raising mean, it to like whatever they. Oh, come on, well, you can do monthly for twenty, or you can buy the whole year for a hundred. I guess is what they're saying. Man, I'm not trying to. This isn't. This isn't Amazon Prime. I'm not trying to shell out a hundred dollars <laughs> at once for this. I mean, that's fair. Um, All right, Amazon Prime got the amazing Mrs. Maisel. Does this have the amazing Mrs. Maisel? I mean, is that a good show? I'm not familiar with oh, it. Oh, oh, it is an excellent show. You know what? This is a mini stuff I like. Miss the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Guys, check it out. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. Mike watches a lot of shows, so grain of salt, people. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. There's no salt here. This is all sugar, baby. Yo, what's the fucking math here? How is it twenty dollars a month or a hundred dollars for the whole year? You got seven months for free? Well, it's, very, it's very simple, Bobby. They want they want to get that upfront money, and if you don't want to pay that upfront money because you a cheapo, you know, twenty dollars a month. 
Yeah, how much money did they commit to? Did Deontay Wilder sign with them or Joshua? Didn't somebody sign with them? They got to pay him. Is that uh, what happened? Wilder. No, 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 got, not Wilder. Uh, Fury, Fury. They, uh, they got to pay these guys. That's all it is. I like the I like the arms race between the zone and uh, ESPN Plus. I'm enjoying that. ESPN Plus got UFC, got UFC pay per view, and got uh, whatever World Series of Fighting is called now. The um, PFL. And then you got UFC Fight Pass, which serves no purpose, and everybody on there is dying a slow death. Mike, you still got a subscription there? Yeah, I keep forgetting to cancel it. Yeah, you sign up for like six months at a time, huh? No, no, no. I do that one month joint. Oh, you should, right now, while we're talking, please cancel Fight Pass for the love of God. Stop donating money to the UFC. Um, also this weekend, guys, let's talk about these fights. Um, I'm a little bummed I'm going to miss watching this live. But we have goddamn fight of the year contender happening here. I mean, we always joke that this guy just needs his own category of fights because he's won fight of the year for us the last two years. Uh, Justin Gaethje and Edson Barboza are going to beat the shit out of each other. Um, betting lines for this one, Stefan. Oh, shoot. My bad. I just closed him by accident. <laughs> no big deal. I, think I, I believe in... everything is nearly a coin flip, though, right? Yeah. Everything's within, like, 130 range of each other. Um, in this case, we have Edson Barboza as the very slight favorite at minus 135 to Justin Gaethje's plus 115. Yeah, um, I'm going to take Justin Gaethje, which is no surprise. He's been my guy the whole time here. Um, we've seen before you can break Edson Barboza, and it takes to break Justin Gaethje, you got to physically break him entirely. That doesn't mean Edson can't do that. I think this is going to be a leg kick bonanza between the two of them. Um, they're both they're both going to throw some shit. Everybody's going to get hurt. I think they're, these are just two super high-level fighters. And Justin Gaethje's my guy, so I got Justin Gaethje getting it done here in this card, which has taken place. They're putting Justin Gaethje on straight-up ESPN, huh? Um, I like that. Uh, taking place in Philadelphia. You got to appreciate the UFC finally going to Philadelphia. And Eddie Alvarez is no longer the company and fighting the next day. Really smart booking. Just A fucking plus by the UFC. But yeah, I got Justin Gaethje. What do you think, Mike? Well, I know you were being sarcastic when you said A plus booking, but I'm not being sarcastic when I say A plus booking. They know exactly what they're doing. Oh, Underground King, you're fighting halfway across the world? Boom. Freaking event right in your backyard. What's up? All your homies are going to be watching the UFC, not you. Anyway. I'm going to go with Edson Barbosa in this fight. Uh, I agree with you. It'll likely be a, a contest between two dudes that have really strong leg kicks. Although I feel that Barbosa will actually utilize those leg kicks a lot more than Justin Gaethje. And I think he'll likely, that'll be primarily what he throws, especially the first two rounds or so. I don't think he'll try to engage in a uh, all-out brawl with Gaethje. I think he'll severely immobilize Gaethje so that in the Fourth and fifth round, Gaethje will barely be able to walk around the length, the, oh, the, man. the ring. Mike, if there's one thing I'm confident about this life is that Edson Barbosa is going to get dragged into a brawl. Like, I don't think he has any control over that nah, not happening. Nah, nah. Man, who has, him, who has not gotten dragged into a brawl with this guy? Far smarter fighters have gotten dragged into a brawl. They just get out of it and, like, manage nah, their all distance. You, all you're going to hear is thwack. I mean, that's okay. A kick. That's a I mean, I, in, your thigh in case you're Edson, Edson might win, but I think it's going to be a goddamn brawl. Uh, Mark, what do you think about this fight? Yeah, I think it's a really tough one to call. And, uh, you know, I, I 
both arguments I think are valid. Uh, I, I'm going with Edson, and you know I don't have a lot of confidence in there. Um, I think you're right, Bobby. Justin is good at dragging people into these fights, into these brawls, getting them hyped into it, and just you know feeding off the crowd and all that good stuff. You know, I'm kind of baking on Edson just being technically a little bit more better, um, measuring that distance a little bit more. I mean, obviously, look, it's not like the dude doesn't know that this dude's going to try to brawl with you and he's going to try to stick in the pocket and throw heavy hands, and when he's on the outside, throw leg kicks. But that's also kind of Edson's game, right? On the outside, he likes to utilize leg kicks. I think his jab's a little bit better than Gaethje's. Um, if he's able to kind of stay on the outside and make it more of a technical fight, I think he has a decent chance. If it is just getting into a slugfest, yeah, Gaethje's going to have the, um, I think he's going to have the upper hand in those exchanges. Just because, like you mentioned, I think he has a lot more heart. Um, I think it's nearly impossible to break Gaethje. You know, his mind doesn't give up. His body just does. And we, we've seen Barboza when he's getting beaten, he mentally can kind of, uh, you know, falter a little bit. I think that's, that's an important, uh, um, element of the fight to factor in here. Um, I, I'm just going with the more technical guy, the guy that I feel has a better chance of landing that one big kick to end it. Even though we saw in Gaethje's last fight, you know, he 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 blasted uh, James Vick with one big punch and finished it early. And I, I honestly have to imagine that's kind of his game plan going in here is just maybe not make it as much of the, you know, years getting taken off my fight career kind of brawl and maybe pick and choose my spots a little bit le better. But that's not something that he's been really good at, right? He he kind of got he lucked out in his last fight, able to finish it quickly. Usually, it's three hard rounds, and he has to gut it out to get the win. And sometimes it just doesn't work his way. So, yeah, just a great fight overall. I, I, really I love that. I love it. that. I love that these are main. They're booking him in main events, though. That's what I love about Justin. They realize, let's let this go if it needs to go. You know what I mean? Let's let them go as long as it needs to happen here. Um, and I don't mean to diminish Edson Barboza too much when I say that he can be broken because. You guys know how much I love BJ Penn, and BJ Penn was the king of, like, if this starts going bad, BJ Penn's not going to be there for you. You know what I mean? It's just different guys have different levels of how they can handle when things aren't going their way. Vitor Belfort was a, Vitor Belfort had about two minutes in him, right, Marcus? And then you knew if you're still there after two minutes, Vitor Belfort's not going to be, not going to have an answer. Like yeah, I mean, some guys, some guys, just, are, some guys are front runners. It's the way yeah, it is, they, and if they, they don't set their pace early. And I feel like, you know, most of the guys he's, he's lost to have that wrestling pedigree that kind of helps them mix up the game. I can't imagine Gaethje's going to be shooting a lot of takedowns so like, here. Gaethje has the damn pedigree, and he doesn't use he it. Doesn't use That's it, the yeah. best and part. I, <laughs> it'd be hard to think that he's going to utilize it here. So, you know, giving that, you know, the only other guy that I felt just stayed in his face and was able just to, to, you know, physically stand up and just beat him that way was Tony Ferguson. And I consider that guy, you know, mental lapses and his craziness aside to be one of the strongest fighters in the weight division. So I can't look at that and just be like, oh, yeah, anyone with a strong will is going to be able to walk yeah, over of course. this guy. It's going to be a great fight. And and I think that's the main takeaway. Regardless of who wins, I'm expecting fireworks. I'm expecting blood and action for a hard, you know, like this could go 25 minutes, too. That's really crazy. But man, if it goes um, 25 minutes, no one's going to be okay for at least nine it's gonna months It's going to be great. You know, this, this no, one, no, one, no, one should, no one should fight for the rest of the year if this goes 25 minutes, Yeah, honestly. this, this <laughs> could easily be fight of the year, you know, even before seeing it. You know, it has that, the all the elements are in place to have a really great fight here, and that's what's most exciting. Who's going to win, I think, is as a coin toss, but I think what's even more um, guaranteed is just having an awesome fight, so can't can't go wrong there. Stefan, before you answer who you think is going to win, I want you to answer this. So, in the Dave and Dave Meltzer's wrestler Wrestling Observer newsletter, they have named the best technical wrestler award the Daniel or the Brian Danielson award because he won it enough times. I say if Justin Gaethje wins Fight of the Year for us one more time, we're going to call it the Justin Gaethje Fight of the Year award. 
What say you to that? And who do you think is going to win? I mean, whenever you're a guy who has multiple nominees on the ballot, as Justin Gaethje is prone to do, yeah, you know what you're getting with the dude. Um, but I'm going to do you one extra because uh, Mark said can't think of a lot of guys who just get in the face and, and stood and t- take out Barboza. Uh, there's one he forgot to mention because I eternally hold it as a stigma against Edson Barboza. Don Cerrone got in his face and jabbed him and dropped him. Uh, I've kind of always thought of uh, Edson being chinny after that. Um, and coming to me last, you know, this is a coin flip of fight, so I'm going to make it kind of an even coin flip between the four of us. Um, yeah, it can go either way, though. Both of these guys are the stand-up kryptonite to each other. Is Barboza has great leg kicks, body kicks, body punches. You can wear down uh, Gaethje because he's going to come at you in a straight line. He's not going to take a lot of angles. Um, so, yeah, he'll just walk in and eat those till they accumulate. But if he gets in, he's got devastating hooks and uppercuts, and that softer chin of Barboza can get cracked by those hands. So, um, yeah, they both represent the thing that the other one is susceptible to. So I really have no idea how it can go. Um, No no outcome really surprises me here. But, um, yeah. It uh, it is the most excited I've been for a fight so far this year, honestly, if I'm being honest. I don't think of one matchup I've been more excited for. You know, we said we've been disappointed enough times to not think that a fight is impossible to be bad. This is kind of like the last hope. (laughs) <laughs> this is like I mean either like, someone's getting knocked out in the first minute or this is gonna be good right like, like these are the two options I mean just this being like a boring trigger shy like decision if that happened then I would lose all faith but like I, I know we have lost faith in the past but this this one has to be a barn burner um David Branch old man David Branch gonna go out there try to turn this uh, UFC run a little bit around a little bit man but they put some hot t- they made him fight some tough guys so far he came back, fought Jotko, not that great, but lost to Rockhold, beat Thiago Santos, who's about to fight for the goddamn belt um, at the weight class above. And then Jared Cannonier, he took a loss back in November, taking on Jack Hermanson, um, a guy who strung a couple wins together against uh, Ger- Gerald Mearshart and Talis Leitis. Um, coming into this one, I believe David Branch is the underdog, right, Steph? Uh, he is, and that has been forcing me to rethink my pick, but he is plus 110 to Jack Hermanson's minus 130. Yeah, I got David Branch. I think this is a fight to see if David Branch has still got it. And I think David Branch is bad. I've seen Hermanson fight a little bit. Not that he's bad. I mean, the guy's, you know, 30 years old, Swedish guy. David Branch is a fairly well-rounded fighter. I think he can veteran his veteran his way into a decision here, basically. Steph, what do you think? Man, you coming to me? I told you, like I don't. Know. I let you. 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 I let you go last last time, and I went first sure. again. First again. I mean, I was leaning branch because I have not heard of a single fighter that like a the win. Oh yes, I know Talis Ladies is, but like Jack Hermanson's record is a who's guess who of I don't know who the hell you are. Um, but man, he's got a lot of finishes. Like yep. he's got a lot of one round finishes. So there's some type of skill set there. Uh, he gets finished too. David branch was really successful. Like outside of the UFC for a while. Like, uh, I don't know enough about Hermanson, but like, I'm just going to feel dumb if I, you know, don't pick him because it, like looking at all these decisions on branches record versus all these finishes on Hermanson. But David branch, he was really good outside of the UFC. He nearly beat Luke Rockhold. I don't, I don't think he's been that well, bad. I don't, I don't, I, like, 
I don't think he's been that bad since he's been here. He's just giving some uh, tough matchups, man. He's got names. Like he, all his record is names for me, at least. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'll stick with David Branch. I'm not comfortable with it though. Like, but yeah, this is just a giant card of uh, coin flips. Yeah, I would say I'm not comfortable with any of this card. Mark, what do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I assume we're kind of all in the same boat. I just don't know a lot about Jack, even though I'm sure I saw him beat Talos Latis. Um, I mean, dude's got seven, he's got seven UFC fights and barely we know who he is. That really tells you all you need to know about the UFC at this point. Right, and it's just, you know, it's always tough to pick these fights where I'm familiar with one fighter and not with the other because I can't technically analyze like, okay, well, this guy's strengths here and that guy's weakness are there. It's just kind of a, I'm going with a guy that I'm more familiar with compared to a guy that I'm not familiar with. Looking just at his record, it's fairly impressive. Like you guys mentioned, there's not a lot of big names out on there outside of Talos Latis, who I think also, you know, at this point in his career, you know, the, I think his prime has kind of passed him. So you can't really put a lot of, uh, you know, merit into that. So I'm going with Branch, which is like you guys, you know, this is a guy who's, you know, fairly not well known. And like I always say, this is a great opportunity for Jack. You know, he's in the co-main position against a tough fighter. He beats David Branch, you know, I think next time I'll be quicker to remember who he is and just how good he is, you know, with a name like David Branch on his um, on his list. So, yeah, I'm going with Branch just because I'm more comfortable. But who knows? You know, it's always tough to pick these fights where there's a lot of unknowns going in. Mike, you got a lead. You got three people picking the damn underdog. What do you think? I was kind of hoping the three of you guys would pick David Branch so I could go the other way and pull a mark and pick Hermanson. So that's what happened. So is that what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, okay. You said you kind of hope. Well, that happened. So I wanted to make sure that's what you're picking. I mean, I, I went and looked at, I'm looking at Hermanson's Wikipedia page. And here's why we don't know him. Rio de Janeiro, Sao yep. Paulo, Mexico City, Stockholm, Sao Paulo, Hamburg. They put him on all those junk cards where we're like, oh, it's going to be on Sunday morning. I don't need to wake up. Like, they just, they send him to, they, they fulfill all their international cards with this guy. I, so I just don't, I don't, I probably didn't see a lot of him on the undercard. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we're also picking, uh, going through this a little faster, Josh Emmett, Michael Johnson, Josh Emmett is known for the one time he got his shit together and he knocked out, uh, was it Ricardo Lamas? He showed up five pounds overweight and knocked out Ricardo Lamas, right? That's what it was. Yeah. That's what happened. Then Jeremy Stevens rocked his shit, uh, three months after that. He hasn't fought in a year. Um, Josh Emmett, 34 years old, team alpha male guy. Uh, taking on Michael Johnson, the hardest fighter to predict, possibly in all of MMA, but what you're going to get. Um, his last win was against uh, Artem Lobov, the GOAT. Um, showed up oh, and missed weight. Uh, odds for this one is, I believe Michael Johnson's an underdog, isn't he, Steph? No, uh, it's a double favorite, and Johnson is the slighter favorite. Minus 115, Michael Johnson. Minus 105, Josh Emmett. Mike, what do you got? How are two people the favorite in the same fight? The casino's got to make money. Oh. Um, I'm going to go with Michael Johnson in this fight, um, mainly because I'm banking on smart Michael Johnson will answer this fight. I got Michael Johnson also. I've just asking Michael Johnson to win three in a row. I know it's a lot. And I'm already rethinking this as I say it out loud. But I got Michael Johnson. He already beat Andre Feely. He's already trained for this camp once. I didn't think he won that fight, to be clear. It was a split decision, but, you know, come on, man. Michael Johnson. Mark, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to go with Josh uh, Emmett. And 
like like you said, Bobby, the guy was pretty much unknown until he beat Ricardo Lamas, and that you know, that was a great performance for him, even though he you know he missed weight. Um, and even the fight with uh, Jeremy Stevens, he he had moments, and yeah, I think a lot of it is the inverse, right? Just the inconsistency of Michael Johnson, like you mentioned. Um, you know, sometimes this guy looks like he could really make a run at it, and then sometimes it just all falls apart in his hands when he had that win right in front of him. Um, so it's just really, I think there's a lot of inconsistency with Michael uh, Johnson. Who knows? Maybe this is a breakout party. He's obviously been more um, active than Josh Emmett, so there could be a little ring rust there. Um, I'm just going to go with Josh, but again, another tough fight to pick. Sorry, I was going to say, Michael Johnson has had 20 UFC fights, which that's a lot of damn fights, man. A lot of damn fights. Stefan, what do you got here, man? He was that number one GSP pick, yo. Um, I was leaning Emmett at the start of this conversation. Um, I think their wrestling cancels out. I think he has a little more power. Johnson has a little more better technical striking. I think the X factor for Emmett is that he has he kind of has more heart than Michael Johnson, or at least he he's less likely to fade. He's more. I I, also, I, I could see him pushing in the later rounds better than Michael Johnson does. That said, as we you guys have been talking about this, the the, the big wild card to me, uh, Alpha Male seems like it's absolutely in shambles right now, um, across the board. Can't no one's getting W's in Alpha Male these days? And Chad Mendes is all they got, man. Chad is still winning. That's all they got. I mean, Uriah just had a baby. That's a big like, W. Mazel tov to Uriah. Sorry, Steph. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I feel like just, I mean, you know, Buckholt is out there talking all this smack, and he was one of the like. Really, he was one of the original bros with them. Um, that camp seems just a mess lately, so ah, I'm swinging back to Michael Johnson, but all coin flips, man. Man, I've never been confident picking Michael Johnson in any fight ever. Steph, I to your point about Alpha Male, eventually the fraternity has to graduate. They got to reload, man. They got to get some new guys in there. It's got to happen, too. Um, all right, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, Michelle Watterson. Um, Michelle's the underdog in this one. I'm pretty confident, right, Steph? <laughs> Plus one thirty. Uh, Carolina coming in at minus one fifty. There are no big. There are not big lines on this card. Um, I might be thinking more highly of Carolina than I should, because I think Michelle's a great fighter. But Carolina, I know she got knocked out by Jessica Andrade, but I, I really think the world of Carolina. She's very, very tough. I. Think if Michelle's going to win this fight, she's got to get a finish. Honestly. Um, Carolina's a really good counter striker. Michelle's got to get it to the ground, I think. I, don't, I'm, I know, you know, Steph's a big, Steph, you're a big Michelle Watterson fan. I got to go. I think I got to go with Carolina here. I'm surprised Carolina's not closer to minus 200. I know Michelle's got a, got a couple wins in a row here, but Carolina's on a different level than both Courtney Casey and Valise Phillies Herring, in my opinion. So maybe I'm overrating her a bit, but I got Carolina. What do you think, Stefan? Um, I you know I I think I'm I might be Michelle's biggest fan on our podcast, but um, I have a feeling we're all gonna sweep towards Carolina here. Um, she has a lot more power in her hands. Uh, she's a great striker in the clinch. I I think you're right in that Michelle's kind of if she has an advantage, it's in her grappling. But her she's not really a wrestler in terms of her takedowns. She uses more so like technique throws and trips. Um, but for her to do that, she has to get in on the clinch where Carolina is historically strong. Um, I kind of see Carolina being better across the board, even if it's just incrementally. Um, but like you mentioned that Andrade knockout, 
that was that was the knockout that she's ever had. That was out cold, and you don't see a lot of women in this weight class just put people out cold like that. And as I always say, we don't know how that changes the trajectory of a fighter. For some, it's just another day in the office and they come back. For some, they're a little trigger shy now because they don't want to get cracked like that again. Um, you never know how a fighter is going to react coming off of that big of a knockout, but Carolina is a fighter I remember her and think of her as. I, like I said, I think she's incrementally across the board better than uh, Michelle. I like her taking uh, the seven months off, though. After a big knockout like that, that was that was a I mean six full months. No, six full months. That's not bad, man. That's a smart thing to do if you've never been knocked out before. Also, Stefan, what do you think? Not Stefan. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, I mean, we kind of already mentioned. I think we're all just leaning uh, towards Carolina, um, and I think it's just because she's kind of progressing her career a little bit farther than Watterson has. She's fought for a belt. She's fought a lot of top contenders. And Watterson has kind of, you know, always been kind of middling. You know, we haven't really seen her reach the the heights of her division, right? Or really get in that um, title conversation. Um, I do think it's a really tough fight. Um, I, I do just feel a little bit more comfortable with uh, Carolina. So I'm going with her. Um, Mike. Yeah, I don't know what you're picking yet, Bobby. But I'm gonna assume it's gonna be a clean sweep for Kovalkiewicz. I thought I said, did I say? It? I didn't say it. Carolina, definitely Carolina. You did. Not a question. Oh, okay, okay, I did. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm going with Kovalkiewicz as well. Um, Watterson has looked good in her last two fights, but I think one of her bugaboos in the 115 division ever since she's come to the UFC is that she's a bit of a fish out of water at 115. Um. I think her natural weight is more at 105 at Adam weight where she was champion in Invicta. So when she comes up against, you know, someone like Cole Kavich, who's much stronger than her, that's where she's had some struggles so far in the UFC. And frankly, I'm, I'm still surprised you didn't pick her, uh, Steph, but I see Cole Kavich, uh, being able to get the victory here. I mean, Mike, what podcast are you listening to? I said it was going to be a sweep for Carolina. Bobby picked Carolina first, and you think we didn't pick or pick Watterson. I don't know what podcast you're listening to, Mike. No, I'm just saying that you know, I thought you would have you know, stuck with your – wait, is, is she Filipino? Uh, Thai. Okay, that's my bad. I thought she was Filipino. I know. I said I love Michelle, but like – you know, it's going to back to Angela Hill. I can love you as a, as a, as a personality, as a person, as a fighter – but I can also be realistic. And I, I like Carolina. There's only like four MMA fighters I follow on Instagram, and these are two of them. And I, I mentioned when, when they first announced this fight, each one of them immediately posted photos of them hanging out with each other. Like, they, like, <laughs> like, oh, here's us in the hot tub. Here's us in like cute dresses at the nightclub. Like, they're very, very, it was the most friendly fight announcement you'd ever seen. They're like, not only are we fighting each other, look at all these times we hang out in the real world. Like, they're two Wonderful. very adorable personalities. Um, yeah, the, that's it for what we're going to pick on this card. Looking to see if there's anything else worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, hey, Steph, just to make sure, you picked uh, Gaethje or Barboza? Uh, Gaethje. All right. Um, also on this card, you got Paul Craig fighting. You got uh, Ross Pearson and Desmond Green. That's not a bad matchup at all. Ray Borg out there on the ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Marina Morose down there. Got some people on this card. Um, Jessica Aguilar's fighting. Um, Jessica Aguilar once pretty clearly the uh, 
One of the best raw weight, the best raw weight in the world. The one some people thought when she was in World Series of Fighting. Any relation sure. to Kevin Aguilar, who's fighting under her on the card? That's a relevant question, Stefan. Um, does he have a Wikipedia page? He doesn't. We'll never know. He doesn't. We'll never know. Michelle Watterson, not Michelle Watson, Jessica Aguilar, kind of a rough go in the UFC so far. Uh, two and one in the UFC could really use a win there. Um, and we'll see. Uh, she, we'll see what happens there. She took out. Uh, she got beat by Whaley Zhang. Um, our new favorite fighter, we all decided a couple weeks ago when we all got on board for no reason other than looking Man, at a shirt. Man, come on, up on this four-minute highlight clip on YouTube <laughs> and shit. Yeah, that's the future right there. Um, let's do stuff we like and uh, everybody go bye-bye. Um, real quick, I, this is not so much a stuff we like as a word of caution for everybody. You shouldn't watch Friends from College. It's not a good show. Uh, I remember trying to watch the first season. Not good. Um, I watched some of the second season this weekend. It's like shitty How I Met Your Mother. And it's got a really good cast. Um, you got uh, uh, Keegan-Michael Key. You know, was it? Is that what his name? Keegan-Michael Key, right? You got it, dude. Yeah, Keegan-Michael Key's in there. Uh, Fred Savage is in there. You got Sherbotsky from How I Met Your Mother's in Wait, there. what? Wonder Years is up in there? Yeah, what? he's playing. Uh, he's dating Billy. Uh, is, is it Eichner is how that dude says his name? Billy on the street, the guy who was on uh, Parks and Rec that yelled all the time, Craig. If you guys remember, he was really excited about the Parks Department. Yeah, he ended He's up on the going into all those uh, American Horror Story seasons now. Yeah. Um, I saw Elliot from Scrubs was on the show this season. Some guy was choosing between Elliot and uh, Robin, and I'm like, this, oh, this already Robin. happened. That's Robin, bro. Well, I mean... I saw. I mean, I saw this already. I'm like, I saw this on How I Met Your Mother. I know, I know, I know. People already made this decision. It's not good, guys. Don't watch it. Um, I need somebody to watch this. Idris Elba is a nanny slash DJ show, okay? And tell me what's going on. That's all I'm looking for in this life, okay? Just give me. Is it a joke? Do I take it serious? How long does it take if it gets good? Give me the cliff notes on this. uh, Is this on Netflix? It's a real fucking show. Uh, it's a real goddamn show, Mike. I'm going to make of- a prediction, Bobby. I'm a big Idris Elba fan. I, I uh, really like him for whatever reason. And I say for whatever reason because as I started to examine his library of work, uh, he's in very bad things. Like, he's not in a lot of successful either commercially or critically things. Uh, um, the Wire? But I still really like it. Yeah, that was he, a long time ago, man. A long time ago. Go through his go through his uh, uh, IMDb. You'll see a lot of stinkers in there, Mike. There's he's gonna be of- a, he's gonna be Deadshot, right? <sighs> Who knows what's going on? Because it's called Hunter, tu- it's called uh, it's called Turn Up Charlie. The star the series stars Elba as a disc jockey who reluctantly becomes the nanny for his famous friend's daughter. Real show, folks. Real goddamn show. All right. Let, I should have watched that instead let's, of this. Let us, let us never forget that Idris Elba had one of the greatest lines in television history. You taking notes of an ongoing criminal enterprise, nigga? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Um, all right, Mark, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, got some video game stuff and mostly just video game stuff. No movies or TV this week that I stumbled across. So um, I did want to talk about Sekiro which came out last Friday. This is the newest game from From Software, who's you know most well-known from their Dark Demon Souls games as well as Bloodborne. And um, I've always had a, a appreciation for From Software's uh, Souls games and Bloodborne, 
Um, these games are kind of built off of not holding your hand in a generation of games where they maybe hold your hand too much. Um, and honestly, while I enjoyed a lot of aspects of those games, they never really clicked with me that much. Um, I would say Sekiro is clicking with me a lot more. Um, and I think it's because they, I purposely think they designed this game to be a little bit more mass appeal for people. The story is comprehensible, uh, to say the very least. Like when you, when I play the Dark Souls games, there's so much lore about Eldridge kings and old gods and i'm just like i don't know what and then to, to understand it all you have to get these items and read the descriptions and i mean that's just and that's part of the appeal of those games is people like to figure that stuff out on their own it's not handed to them you have to work for everything in those games and sekiro doesn't make you work as hard and i appreciate it a lot more um it also has a what i what i consider to be a much more fascinating kind of landscape it takes place in feudal japan um, there's a lot of things going for this game that I'm really enjoying. I would also say I'm kind of in the honeymoon phase where I haven't put a lot of time in it. It's definitely pushed back in a couple places for me, but I've been able to progress through it. I've been enjoying my time with it a lot. Um, what I also wanted to uh, shed some light on is kind of the big gaming news that's been going around. And everyone right now is just kind of throwing their hat into the ring. Um, last week, I think it was on Wednesday or Tuesday... Um, Google announced their gaming platform, which they're calling uh, Stadia. Stadia, I believe it's called. And they actually kind of introduced this last year. They had a project stream where people could sign up. And basically, you can stream, you know, what what they, they constantly refer to as AAA games um, through your internet, through a uh, Chrome browser. And, you know, one of our friends uh, and a lot of people I heard online, Eddie, tried it out. And they said that. You, you can only play Assassin's Creed Odyssey through it, but everyone said that it worked surprisingly well. So their big announcement was mostly technical. They did not talk about pricing. They didn't really even talk a ton about, you know, what you would need on your end for this to work. But basically they're saying that in when this launches later in 2019, you'll be able to stream games in 4K at 60 frames per second, which I, if you're not technical in this kind of, you know, gaming landscape, that is the benchmark that everyone wants for the next generation of games is not just that it runs at uh, 4K, but that it runs at 60 frames per second, which a lot of people are saying, like, you're not going to be able to make a console that's going to be able to push that and have it be affordable. So for Google to get out there and say that you're going to be able to stream games through your Wi-Fi or your 5G connection on your phone is is a big ask. And people yes. and, and what and what? yeah, and, and that's that? and that's what? kind of. That that's a lot of the narrative is that half the people think like this is complete bullshit. Like they tried their uh, their project stream when it was at 1080 and 30 frames, and there was still some stutter there. To so think that they can push 4K streaming video game without having latency problems and not having frame rate issues, um, it's a heavy ask. Uh, if they can pull it off, this it could literally redefine you know kind of how people experience games. You know. I think the Switch has been a very big success because it has brought this, you can take your games on the go with you, which, I mean, PlayStation tried it with Vita. A lot of companies have tried this. I mean, there's the, six years ago, there was a company called OnLive that basically was this, streaming games. And it just never worked out because the latency has always been an issue. But a lot of people that, you know, you look at Google and be like, if anyone can pull this off, it's these guys. They have so many server databases around the globe they're putting fiber in more and more cities. You know, if anyone's going to be able to pull off streaming gaming, it's going to be Google. But there's a lot of caveats there, too. Google's also been kind of notorious for throwing their hat in different arenas. 
And if things don't really turn out the way they want, they pull it right back. And you can look at Google Plus. There's been a lot of things Google has tried and they haven't been successful at out of the gate. And they kind of just like, okay, let's just scrap it. And that www.killedbygoogle.com. You can just list just all, all the shit they gave things. up on. I'm a big Google fan. Mark knows I pretty much bought every goddamn Google product that's ever existed. They've killed so much shit over the years. You almost got to wait five months to decide if anything's worth a damn. Yeah. And I mean, who knows if this is, and it, it's tough. Their presentation as a gamer was not strong. Um, this was at uh, GDC, which is a gamer, uh, gamer developer conference. So a lot of people would say like, oh, well, they're talking to developers. But at the same time, this is your big campaign to the public being like, this is our new thing. Get excited for it. And what they didn't do was they didn't show any exclusive games. And that's kind of what I think they needed to do. They needed to come out there with a really kick-ass AAA game and be like, look at, doesn't this new Star Wars game that Amy Henning was working on and we snatched it, doesn't that shit look cool? You're only going to be able to play it on Stadia. And they didn't do that. They basically showed Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which has already been out for like half a year. They showed Tomb Raider. And then they showed um, Q Games, which has made some cool indie games like Pixel Junk Shooter. That's a fun game. but You, it's not you know what it is with Mark, with a lot of things Google does, it's not about the product they're trying to sell. And it's a lot of this thing with their phone also, where they don't necessarily, it's not that they don't care how many they sell, is that they view a lot of these products as a showcase of their technology. So like the entire purpose of their phone at this point is to show their photo processing, right? This, if they can pull this off, just in terms of the ability to stream it, how successful and what licenses they get or don't get is not as important to them as how they can and use this as an enterprise level with where but they use it as like companies that pay them for like business services and shit. So I think a, like I worry a lot of times when they put get involved in a market, all they want to do is just show the tech and they could give a shit about like the product itself. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. I mean I don't know Google's philosophy and what they've done in the past nearly as well as you do, but I do know that. You know, on the whole, when I kind of heard about what they were doing, I was like, that sounds cool. If it could work, if I can play 4K games at 60 frames per second, you know, over a landline and that and that experience is really good. That's appealing. You know, that might make that might make I mean, I, I'm kind of a PlayStation fanboy. I love what they what they do with the first party, much like Nintendo. I don't think I'm going to abandon those to, you know, just play Stadia. But Stadia could be a viable third option for third-party games like if playstation 5 comes out and it can do 4k but it only pushes 30 frames per second there's a good reason for me maybe to look at a different avenue that could maybe have a better performance even though honestly performance for me isn't like a huge factor but if it's just flat out better than the competition then that's appealing there's so many other caveats that make it less appealing though like you like we mentioned google pulling out of stuff and even if this is popular like let's say this really takes off you know, I don't think a lot of people have a lot of trust in Google, you know, keeping your licensing for your games forever. You know, that's another concern for a lot of people. And especially people on PC that like modding, you're not going to be able to mod the games because you're not running it on your hardware. You're running it off a server. There's a lot of interesting caveats here. I think it's in an interesting uh, place right now. I think they just did not put a good foot forward when they kind of introduced this. And they just showed old games. Like they, they put, they pussyfoot their way into a lot of things. It seems like with Google, they kind of half commit to stuff, and you got to, as you said, you got to, you don't know how committed they are. I'll give them this though: if you buy something from them on YouTube, you own that shit for life. So you, I'll give them that. <laughs> well, and YouTube's a platform that is solid, right? At this yeah. point, you would say, but it's just like you said, Bobby. You go to that website; they killed a lot of these products, and. For some of those other products, that's not a big deal because the consumer didn't have to put money into it. Maybe it was an app 
that's supposed to predict the weather or some bullshit. I bought the app and it cost a few bucks and they killed it and it's whatever. But if I spent $300, $400 on games and Google is like, yeah, we're done with this shit. I don't get the, that money back. I don't get those games back. That's kind of a concern. So there, there's just a lot of um, a lot of question marks still, especially with pricing. They didn't mention anything about pricing. This was going to be like a Netflix service. We're going to be able to stream different games. Am I just buying the games outright? They basically their big selling point was this streams really fast and you can start playing a game in a click of a button, which those are cool things. But what's even cooler to me as a gamer is showing me fucking badass video games. That should be forefront what you're trying to push is look at this this technology is great and you're gonna love it because you can play on your phone and then you can go to your tablet and then you can go to your tv and it all works seamlessly but if i don't give a shit about what game i'm playing i'm out before i even start so i think that's where they kind of shot themselves in the foot they should have came out with a fucking badass and that's why look you want to talk about another reason why switch is so successful zelda sold the switch uh breath of the wild was such a fantastic game People like myself was like, fuck, am I going to spend $300 or probably was like $350 after the game like to play this really badass game? Fuck, I will. I did. I spent a shit ton of money to play one game. Granted, the Switch has lots of other titles. That was not a, uh, a foolish purchase on my part. But if you have a badass game, people will go to lengths to play it. And if that means playing on a new system or platform that they haven't tried, if it's the only way I can play that badass game... They're going to do it. They didn't present that, and they might run into a lot of trouble before it. But yeah, that's basically all I got. Sekiro's kick-ass. Uh, Stadia is interesting. Apple announced some Apple Arcade thing today. Sony did their they, first... They announced like, Apple announced like four things today. They went of, off. Yeah, like TV yeah. Plus, and I didn't even get into that. There was like a goddamn Apple credit Arcade. card. Like, hey, I, I don't know what they were. Half the stuff hey, they Mark, did, I, but... I got a question for you sure. on this uh, new Google thing, because it sounds like... Their main pitching point was just how powerful it is and how mm -hmm. pretty the things would look. Right. Now, I don't exactly remember a lot of when the uh, Jaguar launched back in the 90s. <laughs> but from what I remember as a kid, I remember the main sticking point with the Jaguar is it's so much more powerful than your Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. But I remember reading EGM and GamePro back in the day thinking, wow, but all these games look like trash. Like, they look like they suck. Um, yeah, did you get uh, that I'm, type of vibe from uh, no, this No, I mean, thing? no, because, I mean, especially with the hardware back there, it, you can have really good tech, but you need developers pushing that tech into interesting ways. And Jaguar just never had that. They never had the, the platform to get a lot of third parties to be like, and, and it's tough, too, when you have a stagnated, console like that like am i going to make it a game exclusive for jaguar that doesn't have a lot of install base yet or am i going to make a easier to program game that will be able to turn around quicker for the nes and genesis which there's millions of people on it's just that's just economics that's just smart business practices what's cool about stadia is that because it's running off servers the basically the console that the game's running off is so much more advanced than the ps4 pro and the xbox one x and they talk about teraflops. I don't even know what the fuck that shit is. But PlayStation has four. Xbox One X has like six. And Stadia is going to run on a server that has ten. So technically on a powerhouse level, games should be able to run just fine. And that's and I think that's why they're saying that they're going to be able to do 4K at 60 frames per second. You know, the proof's in the pudding. We need to see it work. And But honestly, like I said before, if they don't have... And it's just like the Jaguar. The Jaguar 
didn't have a lot of killer apps on it. It didn't really have any. As a kid, I wanted to play Alien vs. Predator. But like you said, you looked at it and it was like, well, fuck, that arcade game is like a billion times better than this shit. Maybe it's not worth dropping the 400 on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's Google's in an interesting place right now. They, you know, they kind of put through their hat in the ring. They're going to announce more during the summer, which a lot of people are thinking that that's, a, that's kind of when E3 happens. So maybe something at E3. But honestly, if their takeaway right now isn't that people want to know what games and how much they're going to be paying to play on your service, if that message isn't clear the next day, next time they come to bat, um, they're really going to whiff it with the um, the gaming audience, which is a tough audience. If you don't win gamers over on your first reveal, it couldn't be death. Ask, ask Xbox One when they were talking about all this DRM shit and the gaming community was like, fuck you. No way. And then Sony just trampled on them. was like, yeah, you, you can trade your games with us. You have a game you want, give it to a friend. Not a big deal here. And that basically killed that generation for them. So honestly, like so Xbox is such a bad job with that that Sony didn't have to didn't have to even try with the PlayStation for like they didn't, the first two years. They didn't, they didn't have do anything. to try much and they still just put out a video and stomped all over them. Yeah, they didn't do anything. They're like, we just made a better PS3. Here you go. Like that was yeah, it. Well, I mean, they, and, and, I mean, there's a lot of factors because PS4 was cheaper and strong. It was more powerful than the Xbox One X. But really, at the end of the day, Google kind of stumbled out the block for a lot of people and they have to win the gamers back and the best and easiest way to do that is just show us a fucking kick-ass game we can't play anywhere else we'll hate that we can't get it on your ps4 or your switch but if it's really that cool and everyone's clamoring for it we're gonna try out your platform especially Marcus, if it's did, they put, did they put expensive. a price on it no they didn't they talk about pricing at all which i think was another kind of like okay am i because they also talked about you know, they're going to have this ability where you can watch someone on YouTube play a game. And if you want, you can click a button to play and you instantly jump into that game. But then to talk about like, okay, did I buy that game beforehand? And that's why I can just jump into it. Am I, when I click pay, did I just pay $60 for that game? Or do when I click play, I could click play because this is part of a bigger service that I'm paying a monthly fee for. None of that stuff was explained at all, which just made it tougher to really get excited for. Because I don't know what this platform is. If I'm just buying games for 60 bucks and able to play it on their platform, okay, that's that there's something there, but you really you kind of have to sell us a little bit more. So far all they said was look how awesome this is going to be without really showing that and it's just kind of like okay, I guess we're just in a waiting pattern, but the narrative is already kind of negative around it, so they need to kind of turn things around. We'll see if they do. Man, Marcus experiencing something I've experienced many times, which is the Google press conference where they tell you nothing and you wonder if they even care. It just it's happened it, many times. They it, do it all the time, man. It's infuriating. But this honestly. is like, and I and I think in their realm of tech, press conferences are kind of that. Like, I don't think, but this is a, the the gaming community is a different press conference. Oh yeah, no, this shit you can't pull this. Shit. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. People have caught caught on to them in the tech world. The gaming one, you can't like. People know you got to show us a game. That's yeah, you've, said, I mean, you've, said, you've said it before. You just you got to have a good game. Press, press conferences rule. now are really like at the most we're going to have someone from the dev team come up and say, "Look at this is what we've been working on. Look at the trailer." It's all just trailers. It's all shit to get you hype. So you can't. It's really tough to get to go in front of a gaming community and be like, "Hey, we're going to have some slides. We have ten teraflops here, and it's going to run at 4K and 60 frames per second. And in the future, Bobby, just the future with quotations, we're going to stream." at 8k and 120 frames per second okay what the fuck does that mean i don't give a fuck sell me on the product you have before and don't sell me on 10 years in the future and they kind of stumbled so we'll see what they do from here you know they need to do a lot of impressing going forward and we'll see how that turns out yeah um 
My, uh, Mike, you got anything this week? Yes, yes, I do. Um, you guys ever, uh, you know, heard about something and like just not giving it a shot for, you know, a long time, and then when you finally give it a shot, you're like, oh my god, I've been missing out for so long. You guys, yes, ever Ninja, the, Ninja, the, Ninja, the Ninja Turtle said not to eat anchovies on a pizza, and then I did when I was like 14. I'm like, Ninja Turtles are fucking stupid. Anchovies are great on a pizza. There Continue. You there you go. <laughs> uh, for me, it was this clip show called Deezes and Marrow. Uh, um, oh, come Deezus on, man. I told you. That I'm taking credit here. I brought this shit up to you like two weeks ago. <laughs> you know what? I, at some point, it finally permeated my head uh, because I've known of Deezes and Marrow for at least two years. Well, uh, AOC was on the show, right? I I don't even know that. This is how little I've watched their show. She was like, she I've was never on the show. Watched their show before. Yeah, Congressman Ocasio Cortez was on their show on Showtime. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, now they got that Showtime money. But uh, for those of you that don't know, Deezus and Mero, it's essentially a clip show with a Jamaican dude and a Dominican dude from the Bronx, where they just roast everybody that goes on their that uh, has something dumb happen or, you know, whatever stupid thing happened in a clip. So I've known about them for about two years, three years. It's not like I've hated them. I was just like, eh, it doesn't sound like my cup of tea. And the other day, I would say on Friday or Thursday, uh, I saw a suggestion clip come up on, on YouTube. I watched it. And I have been fishing for Deezus and Meryl clips on YouTube since Thursday. Those guys are some of the funniest dudes I have ever seen. What is it? Uh, you, you heard? What's it, what do they say? Uh, their, their fucking quote? Uh, the, they have like a line. I, I fuck. I've only watched it once. Well, they, they got a couple <laughs> of things. Like when, when, when someone does something real embarrassing, they'll start it off like, all right, shout out to whatever, whatever, whatever. Or um, if they really go in at someone, they'll like pantomime they're, you know, doing a machine gun. Um, you know, I, I think for me, the thing that makes it really funny is that these are two funny dudes that sound like a whole bunch of people I grew up with growing, um, you know, growing up in, in Washington Heights here in New York. And um, I, I just thought it was thoroughly entertaining. I mean, I think I just like a good clip show anyway. So it's uh, it's nice to have a clip show whereas two brown people just sounding a lot like, uh, you know, family members and friends from high school. Jesus and Mero, check it out. It's like Jesus, but with a D. Just watch the Showtime show. Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez is on there. Very personable lady, uh, and she's funny. Uh, uh, oh, that's a good sell. If you want to find it on YouTube, a particularly good video, you type in Jesus and Mero, put a like a New York commuter hospitality where uh, some guy tried to kill himself by throwing himself in front of a train. And it didn't go exactly according to plan because the train was able to stop. And that is just a minute video of New Yorkers, you know, just mad at him. Like, and at one point, one of the New Yorkers just says, yo, my guy, um, what, if you're going to kill yourself, can you do it on, a, on another track? <laughs> um, yeah, check them out. They're funny guys. Steph, what do you got? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to link it back to one thing Mark said, just because I actually watched it before the show. It, it's it's a guy you know, Bobby, and uh, you like. Um, I love this YouTube personality named Simon Miller. Um, he covers pro wrestling. He covers rock music. He has, like, a metal reacts to, like, hip-hop. He did a reaction to Gambino. Um, 
I just saw a Stephon. video on my feed. Wait, 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 Stephon. The, uh, why? Why? Here's why. Uh-huh. Thank um, you. <laughs> fucking love Simon Miller. Great personality on YouTube. So um, there's a popular video game channel called VG247. I just saw a video earlier that it was a man who hates Dark Souls plays Sekiro. And then the who is the guy in the video? It's Simon Miller. What is the first co- the top comment on this video is, why does this bald dude appearing on every channel I follow on YouTube? And yeah, Simon Miller is fucking everywhere. Uh, I mentioned a Bobby. He was over at, uh, he actually attended this month's, uh, what's it called? Um, Hood Slam. Uh, I would have been stoked to meet him. Anyways, dude, that would have been so cool, man. I would have been down for that. I didn't know. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, there was that. Uh, shout outs again uh, two weeks in a row to uh, the Oregon Ducks, my alma mater. Both the men's and women's teams have advanced to the Sweet 16. They're still dancing. Um, in the men's division, Oregon, I believe they're the lowest remaining seed in the tournament. Meanwhile, on the women's side, they're one of the favorites to win the whole damn thing. So, um, yeah, hoping for continued success for my school. Um, and I'm going to try to do my best to give a little uh, spoiler-free uh, little mini discussion. I don't think the other fellows saw it, so it might just be me alone on this. Um, I caught us this past weekend. Uh, Jordan Peele's sophomore uh, attempt at the big screen coming off of the cultural phenomena that was Get Out. Um, I'm going to start with the negative first. Um, for me... I, I, I was talking to Mark about it a little earlier. Um, there's some signs of uh, the sophomore slump in this one. Um, the third act has a lot of issues and really does not hold up to any level of scrutiny whatsoever. Um, it doesn't try to make a cultural point the way Get Out did either. So it's interesting to just see like, okay, that's not necessarily going to be a recurring theme for P- Peel. You know, I, I think he debunked really early on people saying that maybe these two movies existed in the same universe or something. He's like, no, no cinematic universe for me. Like, I'm just making movies. Um, yeah, so, like, there, there's definitely problems in the, th- uh, the third act. I look forward to when you seeing it so I can have this conversation with you guys more in depth. Um, but that said, it's an absolutely fantastically made movie. Um, Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke are tremendous. Um I think they show they are absolutely leading uh, men and lady. Um, hope to see them get more projects from this. Um, they, Lupita Nyong'o in particular, absolutely fantastic performance in this movie. Um, super well shot. Again, you know, third act complaints aside, like it was a hell of a ride. It is stressful and intense when it's supposed to be. Like you know, people were getting squirmy in their seats in certain sequences. Um, it's it's a beautifully shot movie. Um, Jordan Peele is absolutely a master. If you have an appreciation of like the actual technical aspects of filmmaking, um, Peele, he's truly a student of the genre of the game, more or less. So I, I think, you know, uh, complaints about the endings aside, like is absolutely worthwhile. Um, if you know, it's another like 100% on Rotten Tomato. Rotten Tomato is just a yes or no. It's not a scale. It's it's not a grade. It's just a should you see it? And yeah, that's exactly, I think that's the perfect thing is you absolutely should see it. It's just definitely not a perfect movie. It definitely has script issues. Um, and it's, it's, it's not as good as the first one, but is it still absolutely a, a fun, interesting movie? Yeah, definitely. Um, I highly recommend it. If you if Get Out meant anything to you, why not continue to support this guy? I think he's a really you know talented filmmaker. Um, all right, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Um, they should probably release the entire uh, Mueller report. Have a nice week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Um. 
we where we will preview. I want to say a pay per view. I don't know. Someone help me out. Um, is that what's next? Someone look this shit up. <laughs> uh, some, someone's going MMA junkie, right? Help me out, guys. I mean, I, I'm loading it, Bobby. I've been typing. Uh, after this, we got a lot of one. We got 236 Holloway versus. Oh, we got Bray. two weeks. That's a uh, mid-April though, so we get a little break. We got two weeks. Maybe the UF, Maybe they wanted to give me Eddie Alvarez in the week in between UFC cards, but no. And you know, there's no Bellator card because God forbid Bellator put a fight on when the UFC doesn't have a card. I'm sure they got some bullshit happening the same night as something good happening. Um, yeah, in two weeks we got um, the fight card, which could mean nothing if you think about it. Interim lightweight title between Holloway and Poirier. Interim winning title between Gastelum and Adesanya. Ooh, it gets real thin after that. I like Eric Anders, but ooh, I don't want to pay to see him fight. Nikita Krylov OSP. They want money for that. Oh, man, this is a two-fight This is a two fight card. Okay, at least there are two title fights that are fake fights. They could have just made them five-round fights. I would have been okay with it. I'm just putting it out there. You could have just put them as two five-round fights. I've been like, okay, let's do this. Um, thank you all for listening. I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable was here. Lavender Gooms was here. DJ Mark was here. We thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, check us out next week. Um, that's it. Peace out. See ya. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.